0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Acquisition, a podcast for the B2B SaaS industry. Your host, John Wood, talks with SaaS industry leaders, founders, and experts. John will find out how they approach customer success in post-acquisition tactics, strategy, and tools. Find out what your peers are doing to keep their customers happy, engaged, and subscribed. Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Beyond the Acquisition podcast. I'm your host, John Wood. Today, we have an excellent show for you. Our guest today is Emmanuel Scala, Senior Vice President of Customer Success at Toast. Toast is the leading cloud-based restaurant management solution and has currently made the Forbes top 100 cloud. They're number 12 on that list. For more information about Toast, visit pos.toasttab.com. We appreciate you listening to Beyond the Acquisition. Please be sure to check out upcoming episodes of Beyond the Acquisition, where we speak to leaders from HubSpot as well as the Predictive Index. Good morning, Emmanuel. Thank you for joining us on the Beyond the Acquisition podcast. We're happy to have you.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: So, let's get this started with how would you define customer success, Emmanuel? Sure.
1: So um, I define it as ensuring that your customers are getting the value that they expected um, or more. So even exceeding what their expectations were. Um, That's really, I believe, the true north of customer success. Um, Yes, it's often responsible for metrics like retention and upsell and other things. But those are actually leading or lagging indicators to what the most important thing is, which is, you know, is are the customers getting value that they expected. Um, They bought your particular product or service because they were expecting to achieve certain business results with that product or service. Um, And the role of customer success is to ensure that they actually do achieve that business result. When you focus mostly, um, and if not like your true north, on making sure that the customers are getting the value that they expected, then retention and upsells and other things that you may be responsible for will come. Uh, but the true north has to be ensuring that the customers are getting value. Um, they bought the product or the service for a reason, um, and it is a job of customer success to make sure that's
0: realized. Great. So that, that's perfect to lead me into my next question. So Toast is a little bit unique I would say to most probably B2B SaaS companies or SaaS companies out there and that you guys offer both hardware and a traditional SaaS product. So based on what you've just said about focusing on customer value, how, how do you structure customer success at Toast in that, y- you know, you offer both the hardware and the software and does that change anything at all? Um, and I assume it's more of maybe a high touch model at Toast, but. Maybe let us yeah, know about that. It, it, yeah,
1: it, it does. Um, it changes a couple things. The first thing it changes is the focus on implementation. And I'm not saying that necessarily that, you know, if you're truly, if you're only SaaS, that implementation isn't critical. Um, it is. It's the first uh, real touch point that the customer has with your organization post-sale. Um, and it is the first impression, and it's, it's the thing that actually gets the relationship um, and their maximization of, uh, of the value off to the right foot. Um, but for us, because we're a combination of a hardware and software company, um, as well as a, as a FinTech company, uh, implementation is a bit more um, white glove. Uh, we do have people who do implementation on site, um, which is unique for uh, most SaaS companies where implementation will be um, completely over the phone um, uh, because most restaurateurs uh, don't want to uh, kind of plug in hardware and and uh, put wireless access points and, and work on their network um, themselves. So we, uh, we provide a service where we can help them do that uh, on site. So we've put up a lot of investment into... Uh, the implementation phase—it's a fairly complex implementation as well. Um, but even if you're just a SaaS company and you have a complex implementation, this is really where you want to put um, a lot of your uh, your efforts. Uh, we've decided to have a separate implementation team that is distinct from um, the ongoing customer success team, and so there is a there's an implementation team that does both. Um, on-site implementations as well as remote implementations. Um, And then we have a separate uh, success team that we call restaurant success because our customers are restaurants, Um, but it models uh, a lot of what a traditional customer success organization would do. Um, And back to my true north that I talked about earlier, their true north is what we call value max, um, which is maximizing the value um of uh of the 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 set of solutions that our customers have bought from us that's their true north that is how they're um uh that's how they're focused and spending their time is how do i make sure that i'm leveraging you know best practices how do i make sure that the customer is actually adopting and and using the product in the way that they um uh that they should and the way that they're expected to um, and with that, um, retention, NPS, um, and uh, cross sell and upsell will come. Um, and then the third team that um, at Toast is a centralized support team, um, and that's a more reactive inbound um, technical support team. Uh, we also uh, invest heavily in in support. Um, particularly because our customers have a very high sense of urgency. They uh, have very, very, very little time. These are small business owners, mostly. Um, and when they have a question or a concern or a problem, they need someone to answer the phone uh, exceptionally fast um, and resolve their, uh, their question or their concern um, very, very quickly. And so we invest um, a lot in support to make sure that we're answering the phone and 30 seconds, 60 seconds um, or less, um, and to make sure that we're resolving uh, the vast majority of those calls on the, the, uh, or the vast majority of those tickets on the first call.
0: Yeah, I can. I could see that because I would imagine that most of your customers are not set behind a, a computer uh, actively monitoring their email. Where you might be in an office environment, they're probably in the front of the house, making sure that their customers are happy and enjoying their meals, etc. So does that does that also put a little bit of a change on, on the team? You know, you, you're probably more telephone focused than say email and ticketing tools, or or does it really?
1: Yeah, that's right. So our support team is definitely a bit more telephone focused. Um, and, uh, and like I said, our implementation is a mix between telephone and, um, on site and even our, uh, our restaurant success, our, our CSM team is also a mix between, um, in market and, uh, and over the phone. Um, our, uh, our, the, the kind of top end of our customer base, um, will have a, uh, in market, um, person, um, who is their restaurant success manager. And this is just, this is. Uh, this is really duty to the audience for our audience like I said it's a it's a small it's a, it's a small business owner who doesn't have a lot of time um, who has a high sense of urgency who's very very busy uh, serving their customers and they're not in front of their computer they're on their cell phone um, you know or in the restaurant and we um, you know they're a hospitality and so we have to treat them With the same hospitality that they would expect, uh, that you know their guests would expect of them, which a lot of it hospitality for them is meeting them where they want to be. It's not um, even if we provided unbelievable support via email, uh, that for them is not uh, is not hospitality because that is it takes them away from their traditional workflow. Um, And so we think a lot about what hospitality means to them. Um, and for them, hospitality is often someone's there when I need them. Um, and in the way that I need them, which is typically SMS or phone, um, and, uh, and sometimes email and chat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could see that a warm vo- voice on the phone is probably what they're expecting, which I, I would assume then plays into how, how you structure your teams and how, how you, uh, how you do your hiring as you know, maybe the, the, the majority of CSMs out there are probably focused on a slightly different communication, uh, um, yeah. channel. Well, great. Well, let's switch gears just, just a little bit. I, I know that you have a lot of experience with, with scaling companies as well as it looks like you serve on the number of, of boards and advise, uh, companies in a number of different facets. But if you're a, let's say I'm a two to 5 million ARR, um, SaaS company on a, on a tight budget as most are at that stage. And we're rapidly growing. How would you spend the budget on CS or structure that CS team, or maybe advise a company to kind of when and where to start CS, from from your experience and perspective?
1: Yeah, my uh, my perspective would be that you want to start with that true north. That you want to start with ensuring that the customers are getting the most value that they, can, um, that they can get from the solution that you sold them. And this is really important because this is what's gonna retain customers. This is what's gonna give you the right to even uh, consider um, an upsell of those customers. This is what's going to give you referenceable customers who are willing to do case studies or who are willing to uh, refer you to their friends um, and this is what's going to ultimately give you the revenue metrics um, that you're looking for, the net revenue metrics that you're looking for. So I would set up the team to be 100% focused on, you know, how do you measure what success is? So, so you know, once the customer gets into the customer success world, which is typically after, after sale, um, what is that first measurement of success? Um, you know, and that's how I would focus your implementation team. If you, if you do separate your implementation out from your CSMs. Um, if you don't separate implementation out, then you would want your CSMs to really understand what does it mean to be um, live? What does it mean to be um, implemented? It's not necessarily just that they have access to the software. It's not necessarily that they're even using it. You have to figure out what that um, first moment of value is. Um, that is probably the most critical thing Uh, To figure out and then you want to build on that so I would invest time in uh, in documenting what's the ideal customer journey so what's the ideal moment of value in the first 30 days and what's the ideal moment of value in the second 30 days and so forth and so on and make sure that you're aligning your teams around that if you get your customers off to the right on the right foot early and you get them to see value early then the flywheel can take effect Um, and hopefully you can start spending less time, um, with those customers who are now, uh, you know, they're enabled, they know the product, they know the value, they're, they're sold, they're bought in to the value that they're getting, um, and they're actively using it. Um, so that's the first thing I would focus on. The second thing I would do is, um, don't wait too long. A lot of companies make this mistake where, they use CS, they, they use like the human power of CS, right? um, which is very powerful. It's very powerful to have somebody that you can call or someone that can give you best practices or someone that is an expert um, in the industry or an expert in the product. However, most companies early, uh, early stage invest too much in just the human side and, and put a lot of bodies into, um, into CS without really thinking through the data side um, as well. Uh, If you instrument your product um, early on um, to be able to give CS the rich data that they need to better understand which customers are healthy, Um, and by healthy, I generally mean um, focused on the product adoption. Um, So if you're instrumenting your product so you can give them that that data that says, that looks at usage patterns, um, that can measure those moments um, of value, then you have a really powerful tool for the CSMs to prioritize their time. Otherwise, if you're just giving them a book of business um, and you're saying, okay, here are your 100 accounts or here are your 10 accounts, whatever it it may be, they're likely to prioritize their time based on the customer with the loudest voice, which um, is not necessarily the customer that needs the most help. Um, And only the data will show you where the customer needs help. Um, It could be, Um, uh, you know, product adoption data. Are they using the product in the way that they should be? Um, Are they growing uh, their usage in the way that you would expect? Um, Are, from the data, can you tell if they're getting the value that you would expect? Um, That's really important as a partnership between product and CS and and maybe um, an IT team or a BI team if if you have one, um, that I would recommend doing very, very early on. Otherwise, you're flying blind. Um, and um, over time, your CSMs will not be able to give attention to every single customer equally, um, and so you're going to end up getting surprised. Uh, you'll end up having churn, surprise churn, or you'll end up having customers that you thought were happy um, that may not be um, as happy, or you'll um, under uh, you know you'll underutilize customers who are actually um, very successful and very happy, and you won't be able to maximize their voice um, in any kind of like advocacy program or something like that. So I would, uh, invest in data very early.
0: And is that one thing that's helped you scale, whether it's, whether it's at toast or digital ocean or some of the other experiences that you've had in the past is to, is to build a foundation of, you know, obviously the defining first value as the critical metric, and then looking at adoption and usage And different metrics to allow the organization to to scale, because certainly as you get thousands and thousands of customers, you can't be mining through the different data points, you know, on a daily basis or or having a high touch with each and every individual customer. So you've got to be able to gain insight from the data. Would you say that's what's what's helped you or that's kind of the direction that you guys are headed at Toast?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. Um, you know, at all, you know, my, all my last previous uh, three or four companies, we invested in really understanding the data. You know, when you have tens of thousands of customers or um, even millions of customers, um, it's it's impossible to have a white glove high touch model for every single customer. Um, and what I found when I got to Toast was we were definitely spending time on the customers that were the loudest um, and. Uh, and so, what happens is that you lose you lose sight of what, what ends up being kind of the silent ma- ma- you know silent majority, um, especially when you're at scale. Um, and you know, it's also not cost effective to have uh, ratio CSM to customer ratios. Um, you know, that, uh, you, know, you know, as your business scales, you're going to have to change your ratios. It's just, it's not cost effective to keep them the way that you might when you're an earlier stage company where I would, I would invest um, early stage. I absolutely would invest in high tech because it's a huge learning opportunity, um, especially for your product team. I and mean, one of the key roles, and I didn't mention this earlier, but one of the key roles of customer success is to be that voice of customer and to provide that feedback loop back to product. So early on, when you're still figuring out product market fit, you want the high touch because that's how you get that feedback loop. Um, as you scale, you need to rely more and more on data to give you that feedback loop. You can still get it through data. Um, so if you're looking for a certain adoption triggers or you're looking for certain usage patterns, you can get that through the anecdotal evidence that's gonna come through CSMs who are high touch, but you can also see that in the data. So that's what we did at DigitalOcean, that's what we did at Toast. Um, Spent a lot of time instrumenting the data, um, looking, I mean, everything from, um, you know, how they're using the product to how they're using the product benchmarked against other customers who are like them, which gets really interesting. Um, Because then, you know, then the conversations uh, with those customers are not just about their usage, but it's about, you know, how they can be more competitive um, and how they benchmark um, against, uh, you know, against companies that are similar to them. Um, so that's pretty key to scaling like for as an example our, um We have a really pretty long tail in our business here at toast um, And so our CSM's um, in some cases will have you know, very very large ratios um, of customers uh, to, to CSM and so they're unable to be proactive on a one-to-one basis with almost any customer um, and so they're only using the data um, to determine what they do on a day-to-day basis, and who they reach out to, and how they reach out to them, um, and what the key messages that they're reaching out to them with. Um, I have a couple examples also at DigitalOcean where you know we would be able to proactively reach out to customers who may be on the wrong package, um, or who may be even able to save money um, by you know moving their workflow over to a different solution. And, and when you're, when you're proactively calling customers to tell them that, you know, they can be doing something better or they're potentially having a problem or maybe there's an opportunity to save money, uh, that's going to breed loyalty, um, which is, you know, obviously pretty important in a SaaS world where switching costs, um, you know, are relatively low. Uh, it's critical to breed loyalty. So we do that. We've even done it, which really interesting in Toast, we've even gone proactive in support now, typically, support is a is an inbound uh, function, um, but we've even instrumented our data um, to be able to when a support agent isn't taking any inbound calls, um, they are prompted with uh, an outbound call um, that is based on data. So it can be something like, "Hey, we noticed that um, your uh, your hardware is out of warranty," or "We noticed, you know, that." Um, you're eligible for uh, a promotion that you haven't taken advantage of yet. Um, and so we've instrumented that in their system. So when they're not taking inbound calls, they have the opportunity to do outbound calls as well. Well
0: wow, that's very interesting. Yeah. I mean uh, you know I can see a huge value in that as, as you know as we all are as consumers, whether it's our cable bill or or anything else, the, the, the value added of of getting a phone call to say, hey, we can save you 10, 15, 20, 30 dollars a month um, and probably much more in, in the cases of, of the business cases. but yeah, I can see the value add there. So I've got a couple of more things for you. And, and knowing that again looking to tap into your experience here in, in boardrooms, what types of metrics from a CS perspective do you take into the boardroom to, to show that you know the value or to, to really kind of give the you know, the heartbeat of, of what's going on, on on the front line, so to speak, with the customers?
1: Sure, so at board level metrics are gonna be your retention metrics, obviously. Um, those are very lagging, though, so you have to be, um, you know, you have to be careful, I mean, uh, it, you need to show them because it's a critical part of um, a SaaS company, um, but they are really lagging indicators, so you do wanna look for uh, more leading indicators than um, retention, which is your, your most lagging. Uh, a couple leading indicators um, can be um, you know, some kind of customer sentiment metric, whether it's um, a customer and NPS, or, or whether it's a customer effort score or a CSAT score, or something um, that uh, will give you some sense of uh, of customer sentiment. Um, that's usually a bit leading um, to uh, to retention. Not super leading, but it is leading to retention. Um, you know, if if you have the ability to, and this is probably maybe less at scale, um, but, uh, you know, more early on, um, if you have the ability to uh, measure health um, in some way and score um, customer health in some way, and that can be as, you know, as as brute force as red, yellow, green, or maybe you actually have a, a score on like a one to a hundred points or something along that lines. But if you can think through some kind of score. Um, and then uh, the board would definitely be interested in looking at the, the composite of your customers' by score um, to better understand you know, the, uh, the percentage of your customers that um, you know, are widely successful and the percentage of your customers that you're still working on making successful. Um, that's much more of a leading indicator, obviously, to any sentiment or any retention Um, metric. Uh, So those are the ones that, you know, typically the board's going to care about. Um, Later, uh, as the company scales, the board may start caring um, more about uh, net, um, you know, net revenue and net uh, AR, MRR, which includes your upsells um, and your cross-sells. Probably not something that they're going to care about so much early days. Somewhat depends on what your business model is. Um, but if you are really focused on kind of a land and expand model, then you're definitely going to have to show the expand, um, uh, part of it because everyone knows that it's, uh, you know, it's significantly less CAC, uh, to expand than it is to, um, bring on a new customer that generally becomes a metric that is for a little bit more, um, later stage companies. Um, While earlier stage companies are still pretty focused on acquisition and retention.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Emmanuel. I've got one final question, which is what what do you do on a day-to-day basis that helps you with your productivity? So sort of like a productivity hack, whether it's a tool that you leverage uh, or a process or meditation, what helps you kind of be efficient throughout the day? Or do you have anything?
1: Yeah. No, I have a couple. Um, So... So a few things that I do, I uh, I cluster my calendar um, with like activities. Uh, so I will do uh, my one-on-ones with my direct reports on Tuesdays. So that's my one-on-one day. Um, I will do um, uh, skip levels with their direct reports, um, and I do those monthly. Um, but I will lump them all in one day. <laughs> it's kind of it's like an exhausting day, um, but it's uh, at least it's it's all grouped for me. Um, the task switching, um, especially you know when you have a really large team and when you're responsible for a lot of stuff, the task switching is what makes me less productive. So if I can minimize my task switching as much as possible, um, that makes me the most, uh, the most productive. And then the other thing I do is I do also block off big chunks of time on my calendar, um, not just a half hour here and there. I don't get much done in a half hour if I have a half hour between meetings. That's you know I'll catch up on a couple emails, but I'm not going to be able to actually um, do any thought-provoking or, or deep work. So I block off um, four hours on Wednesdays and uh, two to three hours on Fridays, generally in the afternoon. Um, and and uh, what and it's like do not book over this you know calendar block. It says that right in the calendar block. Um, and what I generally also try to do is get get away from my desk during those times um, and find a different place to work. Um, it could be a couch someplace nearby. Sometimes I may actually just go to a coffee shop. Um, but if I'm out of the office, away from the open um, office environment, um, with, that, with the only blocked off time I have all week, uh, that's how I get some of the, the deep work done.
0: Wow, thank you for that. So would, would you describe yourself as a little more type A? That sounds like someone who's very structured and planning and seems to work very well for yourself.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super structured. <laughs> it's the only way I can get anything done. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, if I'm not, if I'm, if I don't have really disciplined calendar management, then, um, yeah, then I'm just going to end up in, in my email, honestly. And that's just like the worst place you want to be. Um, so I make sure that what those big blocks is not email time. Those big blocks are, uh, are deep, are deep work time. Um, I do also block off Monday mornings. Um, because for like planning, look at my week. What do I have this week? Get through some of the the basic emails, um, and then uh, once the kids are in bed at night, is when I'll get to some of the emails that I missed um, throughout the day because I was either in meetings or doing the doing that deep uh, deep work time.
0: Oh wow, that leads to questions for another day. How yeah, do you I, how do you prioritize your life with children? I know I have two, and it's uh, I always find it to be challenging.
1: It's not, yeah, that we could spend a whole another half hour on that stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Emmanuel uh, Scala, the SVP of customer success at Toast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I appreciate your time and your insights here on the Beyond the Acquisition podcast. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks, John. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Beyond the Acquisition. This is your host, John Wood. We just spoke with Emmanuel Scala, Senior Vice President of Customer Success at Toast. Check out some job openings at Toast at pos.toasttab.com. Click on the careers link. There's a lot of open positions there. I'm sure Emmanuel would love to have additions to her team. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Acquisition, and please be sure to tune in to upcoming episodes where we speak with Stephen O'Keefe, of hubspot as well as victoria nickel of the predictive index so again thank you so much for tuning in to beyond the acquisition this is your host john Wood.